This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 330 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. The Dressage Radio Show crew is out and about this week, so tuck in your earbuds and enjoy this previously aired masterpiece from the HRN Audio Vaults. Featuring Linda Pirelli, Kelly McGinn, and the five habits of highly effective dressage people. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Lafayette, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Without our producer, Glenn, this week, but I'm back. So we kind of. I know. Hi, Philip. You get me. We lose Glenn. Maybe next week we'll all be yeah, together we'll have- again. I know. And actually, we are going to be together this week on um, Thursday. You're coming to Florida. So I'm really looking forward to your trip down here. Yeah. And we're trying to drag we're trying to drag Glenn down from Ocala so we can all yep. get together. I mean, I think we told you two weeks ago that I've never met Glenn in person. So we're looking to have a good time. And Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. I'm sure we will have some pictures for oh, our man. listeners and uh, <laughs> yeah, us having a good time in Florida. And I'm going to steal a lesson from Philip. He doesn't know that yet, but oh, I think I'm telling you now. Trade. I actually get to stay with Reese, so she's nice enough yeah. to put up with <laughs> so me I'm gonna for put a him couple to work, of days. Guys. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind doing that. That's actually that's fun. I mean, that's why, I, that's why I get to do it every day. It's fun. And, uh, yeah, you know, so exactly. looking, yeah, looking forward to see seeing Denali. I've never seen him under saddle. And, I know, know some of these other horses you've been so talking good. about. Yeah, so. it, it'll be fun. And then we have a horse show, so uh, I'm sure I'm going to put you to work as a groom at some uh, point. Oh no, I'm yeah. very, I'm a very expensive groom. <laughs> <laughs> expensive groom. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Me too. But uh, yeah, uh, we have a, a show here at the barn, so every it, it's just down the road. Everybody can hack to it, um, so that'll be fun. And uh, yeah, it's a big week down here. Um, I've got a lesson with uh, Mr. Schumacher tomorrow, oh, cool. um, and then. Uh, Denali, I have a lesson with him with Kathy Connolly on Wednesday, and then you come on Thursday. So it's going to be a lot of fun and really busy down here. So you're it's so good. Lucky. Stuff every week. It seems like you're doing stuff every week. That seems fun. That that is that not, is not digging your car out the snow. It's not <laughs> no. those activities. And so. I'm sorry to anybody that's doing that. That is, you know, honestly, Philip, that is the reason you come. I, I have to say, you know, financially for a trainer, it is not, and, and even my students, like it's, it is a huge financial um, burden to come down here. Um, but it is worth it. It's, you get to see so many horses and do so many things. So it's very much a, something that, that I recommend to people if they can do it. And, and we talked about it earlier um, about doing a show on how some people make it work for them. Um, so there's some, some ideas that we have for people that want to come to Florida or California um, or Europe. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to get training. Um, sometimes you have to be creative, but it's definitely worth it. Well, that sounds like a good idea. I'm sure people will be interested to see, see how to make it, you know, how other people make it work, how trainers make it work, you know, because yeah. it's a business. It is in the end about making some money, right? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We know what that's like. So yeah. um, what do we got on the show this week for everybody? Well, we have a really interesting um, lineup. We have uh, Linda Pirelli, actually, is going to come on and talk to her. She has just started riding dressage, and um, she and, and the Pirelli team put on a dressage summit here in Wellington at Global last week. And so we have Linda Pirelli coming on. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her take on how um, she's – adding her system into dressage. Cool. And then we have Kelly McGinn. 
Yeah, I mean, she's a friend of ours from the Young Horse Trainers thing and uh, a really great person, great trainer. And uh, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing her, her trainer tip. That sounds fun. Exactly. So that's, that's our show. And we are going to finish our list. We did not do this last week because you were, I couldn't do it with Glenn. Not that he's not wonderful, but <laughs> finish yeah, our we, list. Here. We our got list. The, the last five uh, of the top 10 habits of highly effective dressage riders. So, uh, yeah, I, we, met, we missed a week there. We promised you the second half, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming today. So coming, don't worry. So that's great. So, so um, yeah. I guess we should get to the news first and, uh, Do it. and then uh, all these great interviews. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, starting, and, and it is April 1st, helmets, um, helmets will be the rule at all USEF events, including senior riders in Grand Prix and small tour events effective April 1st. So if you are riding a senior rider and you're riding in an FEI CDI class, you can, are still allowed to wear top hats. Right. Just, That's only at FEI shows. I mean, this this rule came into effect for Canada last year, actually. I think we were the first nation. Yeah. So in all national uh, competition classes that you have to wear a helmet. So I think that's really great. And I think, you know, my top hat is really, really tight. And so I actually prefer to wear a helmet anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I train also in a helmet all the time now. So uh, it's it's just become part of what we do, and I think that's great. Um, you know, I think as we continue as a nation, and and kids are growing up and they're wearing helmets, uh, and it's not that stigma of oh gosh, I need to wear a top hat. I think we're gonna um, save a lot of people's lives and and really be good examples. So that is what's going on. And in competition news, uh, a Canadian, Crystalot Boylan, took uh, the top two placings in the small tour at the. Um Wellington, which which show was that? Yeah, it was it was at Global Sorry. last week. It was the CD. Yeah, I know it's okay. Yeah. It's confusing. There there are so many here shows. All the time. Yeah. yeah, it was the Global. Um, it was sponsored by the USPRE Association, uh, and it was the CDI uh, last week. Um, and Crystalot won the small tour, and Collecto Five won. Martina uh, Cognac. She's been here on the show. She's a wonderful lady. Uh, won the freestyle with a 77.25%. And Tina, uh, our Williamson, uh, was second, and um, she had a total of a 74. I was just saying, another Canadian, Jackie Brooks, was third. So that's a great top three. And Crystalot, I think, gets her first season in Florida, winning, um, you know, Pre-St. George and uh, I won classes. So more great competition, great horses coming out, different ones from different seasons, and uh, I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. So really, really good stuff. And again, um, wonderful horses to watch and, and see. And it's you can pretty much see them all the time now. So really a wonderful thing. So after this break from Kentucky Performance Products, uh, Philip and I are going to be back with the last five of the effective uh, habits of a dressage rider. Joint Armor from KPP provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Kentucky Performance Products Quality Assurance provides you with the confidence that you are purchasing a safe, 
high-quality product. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Joint Armor is concentrated and affordable. One jar lasts a whole 75 days. Joint Armor helps maintain fluid motion and flexibility in your horse's joints. It also supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Learn more about Joint Armor from Kentucky Performance Products and all their other terrific products at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. And now we're going to get into the, the, I guess, the bottom five or the top five, however you want to think about it, um, habits of highly effective dressage riders. So number six here is an effective dressage rider knows success happens one ride at a time, day in, day out, remaining consistent and realistic in their daily goals and expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think that is so true. And I, I think, um, especially for you guys up north, um, you know, when there's not all this excitement, uh, it sometimes can be hard day in and day out. Um, and I think you need to um, always have a training plan, always have an idea of where you're going and what you're doing. Um, that really, really helps. Um, yeah, I mean, a big thing is that it just it does not happen for anyone overnight, no matter, you know, how many years you've been riding, how many horses you've taken to Grand Prix, you know, each one is built day to day, working on first the basics and then, you know, coming through the training scale and, uh, and just developing each horse at their own pace. I mean, you know, it can be, it can be a little, you know, it can be very frustrating at times to, to have to train the same movement every day, you know, to make it better. And, and over a couple of weeks, it feels like it's not, going anywhere fast and it just doesn't go anywhere fast so i think you know um, for all amateur riders who feel like you know they're not making progress i think you know progress happens slowly but you make big changes over a long time and that's how everyone does it you know and and that's just the way that's the way it goes that's that's part of the sport right you know no i yeah absolutely and i think that the whole just remaining consistent and realistic. Yeah. I think that's, I think some people, you know, I'll hear their goals or ask them their goals. And, and sometimes I have to reel them in and say, is that a realistic goal? Really, you know, is are you going to be at fourth level or third level um, in April when, you know, you're not really, your horse isn't really through yet? You know, I think yeah. sometimes... You, yeah. You've got to really work on on that real realism, actually, as well. So. Well, and and the basics are the are the things that you know. Laying a great foundation is part of of really doing a good job, right? Take your time with that, and the yep. rest comes so fast. Yep. Like if you exactly. really work on your on suppleness or on rhythm, you know, and making sure that's good. The the tricks, you know, we call them, you know, a little bit the tricks, things you know, flying changes and and you know all the things, the really difficult movements are built on solid basics that that you really take your time and do and make sure are done right and sometimes you have to go back to them and 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 uh and then you know the horse if you're feeling frustrated the horse is definitely going to feel that through you and so uh you know kind of temper your expectations sometimes and and uh be able to to do that you know every day and and go out there with uh with a good training plan like you said yeah so number seven an effective dressage rider has courage to be creative and problem solving their courage goes beyond the textbook and thinking independently. Yeah, this is this huge. Is, yeah, this, this is, is really. <laughs> huge. I think I think this is it's easy in a way to think that like oh yeah, I can be creative. But it takes a long time actually to be able to be creative, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of um, students and other trainers about building a toolbox for your problems, right? You know, every horse is an individual. Everybody that, that I teach is an individual. You know, so you're, you're building relationships between people and horses or, you know, uh, between, you know, myself and, and horses. Every single one is different. And so you've got to have a lot of tools to... Uh, to improve the horses, to improve your students yeah. and, and not to be stuck. You know, if you're having a problem, you know, don't get stuck there. Think of maybe there's another way to explain it to the horse, to the rider, to, um, to, to get through these problems. Yeah. Right? And I think this is where, you know, and I encourage my students to read and audit and, and go get some other ideas because maybe there are some other ideas that, you know, Sometimes we all get stuck in a little rut, like, oh, this is how we do it. And sometimes that works, but then there are other times where it doesn't work that way. And you need to say, okay, let's, let's work on doing X or Y um, or be a little creative with your exercises. Instead of doing yeah. all circles, do teardrops one day or you know, square turns instead of round turns. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, that I work with my students, you know, the ones that are confident on, okay, if I'm not sitting here, right now what would you how would you solve this problem yeah and that's i think an important i, I even ask myself that you know or after a ride i uh, i'll have ridden a horse and i may think back and say gosh you know that wasn't maybe the best thing that i could have done i could have maybe done better um and i think yeah. that's what makes us good riders and trainers actually yeah i mean i i have a lot of my you know go-to exercises that i think really work well with most horses but uh, a lot of times you just got to get out, get out of the box a little bit, and 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 figure it out. You know, use your brain because it's it's definitely not a training a horse is not a straightforward, you know, not straightforward problems and not straightforward uh, solutions. So yeah, um, you know, I think always follow. I you know, I'm always trying to follow the training scale in in problem yep. solving, and then once you know that gives you a guideline on how how to how to fix problems. But there's no strict. You know, you have to do this to be able to accomplish a good shoulder in or, or, you know, sometimes I work my way up. You know, I think, oh, there's a little problem in the shoulder in. I'm going to do a little half fast to see if I can identify what the problem is sometimes and, and in that way go about, you know, fixing it. But I think you got to be doing, you know, not, not hammering away at the same thing. You know, being consistent is one thing. But if, you, if you've got a problem, maybe, maybe you have a friend you could ask or, you know. Or, uh, you know, I have lots of trainers who are friends who are, you know, I think, oh, I got this horse, I got this problem, you know, Reese helps me out. You know, what What do you think? You know, I, I don't, don't stick in your own space, you know, find other ways to be creative. Problem yeah. Solved. No, I think it's great. And, and going back to the training scale, you know, in my arena at home, uh, USDF, and I'm not sure about Dressage Canada, but USDF sells a poster. Oh, and okay. I, I bought that poster and, and I hung it in my ring and it's up high and, and you can walk over and I encourage my students, you know, to walk over to that poster. If I'm not there, walk over to that poster and look at the training scale and figure out sort of where your problem is. And, yeah. and that's been a, that's been the best, uh, $79 or whatever <laughs> that I have spent because it does help. So that's, you know, you don't have to buy the USDF one, sorry, USDF, or you can, uh, but you can make one. I mean, there, this information is out there and, and easy to find and, and, and very good to have in your arena or even something you can pull out of your pocket to say, oh, gosh, you know, where, where's my problem? Is it rhythm? Is it yeah. relaxation? So, so All right. yeah. All right. Yeah. Number eight, an effective dressage rider knows they must be an athlete in their own right before they can expect the equine partner to be one. Yeah. 
That's a good one. I mean, we've had a couple of guests on to talk yeah. about fitness who have, you know, fitness programs that they get into. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, a huge proponent of this, you know, yep. in, in a lot of different ways, right? Strength-wise, cardio-wise, flexibility. There's lots of things that can, that, that can help you help the horse. Yeah. Well, you know, we went to that uh, trainers conference with Stefan Peters and Scott, and we talked about it here on the show. And one thing that Stefan says, I mean, Stefan's amazing, and he's he's he clearly it does a lot of uh, uh, of fitness work. And one of the things he said to all of us trainers that were sitting there, and that was that he makes workout a priority. Right. And I have really been trying to do that for myself here in Florida. Um, but I'm going to do it at home. And that is, I, I have to make this a priority in my life that I get it done, you know, whatever, five days a week. Um, because it's so easy and I'm, I, I am probably more guilty than most people. You know, I get busy or, you know, I need to clean the house or I need to go grocery shopping or I need, you know, I have other things outside of my, my life, you know, my family life and that type of thing. And, and when I heard him say that, make this a priority, I actually wrote it on my, I have a, a sticker on my um, mirror here, make workout a priority. So that's what I've been doing down here. I, I feel a lot better. Uh, I have a long way to go, but, um, I have been trying to do that. So that's something that I've been doing in, in that when Stefan said that, make it a priority, I've been trying to do it. So hey, that good. helps everyone. Yeah. That's good. I mean, you can do as much or as little as you can, right? I mean, we all can have big goals as far as getting there, but life does get in the way, but you know, I think try and do a little bit of everything, a little bit of something, Every day that, you know, a little something, a little something yeah. goes a long yeah. way. I think over it does time. better than nothing. <laughs> exactly. All right. So number nine, an effective dressage rider knows there is only one direction to go and that is forward. So that's actually, yeah. that's a good one. I like that one. If um, all else fails, go forward. Go forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said with that. I don't know about you, Philip, but I always like to talk that there are two things that a dressage horse has to do. And that is stop and go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Breaks and, and gas, right? Breaks and gas. gas. That's so the beginning I, of everything, yeah. right? So I'm going to add that into, um, into this discussion, a little breaks and gas. But um, go forward. I think, again, a default. If you're having trouble and you're stuck, go forward. Yeah. I think that's a good one to... Yeah. I think in, in the sport, we, we really ride a lot of trying to get a lot of control, right? And, and you know, try and c- control the forward movement, control the sideways movement, control this, control that. And that can lead to a lot of, you know, stifling the horse's natural ability or the natural need to just go all I mean that's how they're built that's you know that's their nature and you can solve a lot of a lot of mental issues for the horse just by you know going forward sometimes I mean we 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 talk about going on hacks stuff like that but even in the ring you know if if it's not going well and your horse is getting a little pissed off just do some canter or do something to yeah. get get yeah. out of the box a little bit don't always yeah. ride super controlled because it'll lead to issues in the end I think no, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm not opposed to a half seat every once in a while, especially on the young ones. You yeah. know, just get up. Free up, free up their back a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's perfect. Yeah. perfect. yeah, and even on the old ones. I mean, the older ones, they need to have a little fun too. And, um, yeah, no, I think that that's great. All right. Now, number 10. Okay. Dun, dun, drum roll, everybody. <laughs> An effective dressage rider works for their horse, not vice versa. Yeah. It seems so easy, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, each one of these is great, you know, but really implementing it day by day is, uh, yeah. is, is hard, I think. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, it, it's true because I think we all very much 
want to do that. And I think sometimes we forget, yeah, you know, that's and, and exactly. sometimes, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun for you and it's supposed to be fun for the horse, right? I mean, it's not all about, um, master and servant kind of relationship. I mean, the horse has to respect the rider, I think in a lot of ways, but also, you know, it's, it's, it, and it is a sport, but it's, you have to enjoy it every day because, you know, if you're riding consistently and you're, you're going at it, it can really be not fun for both parties if you're just hammering away at problems and, and you know, you're, you're, you're getting frustrated or the horse is getting frustrated. I mean, uh, y- your job is to really figure out how to, how to get the horse to do his best work and want to work for you, I think. I try, yeah. I try and say yeah. that a lot. Like, make the horse want to work for you and then yeah. you'll never have a problem. Yeah. Right. So I think and that's how you approach. You have to approach issues that way. Yeah. No. And true partners. This is it, it, it. On our notes, it's true partners from the stall to the aisle to the schooling ring and back again. And I think that's right. You know, you always have to remember that. You know, at the end of the day, uh, we are we're the boss. If you want to say, you know, if, if horses don't want to work for you and they're kicking and they're rearing, and you have to kind of think, what is it? You know, are they are they painful? Are they this? Are they that? And you know, this is not always the easiest. And I, I'm, I, I have, Philip, and I'm sure you have had points in your career where you're like, okay, this isn't working. And I've got to step back big time and figure out what's not working and yeah. where can I go back. And, yeah. and, and we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. And we, and we make mistakes as trainers as well. I mean, yep. you know, throughout, throughout my riding career and that, I, I for sure can look back and say, you know what, I wasn't the best friend to my horse that day and um you know so i when i come across a problem or i come across a problem horse you know you know how can how can you be the best rider for them and and sometimes sometimes you're not i think we talked about this before and saying you know maybe i need to get a friend to ride this horse for a little bit yeah. or maybe i need yeah. to figure, figure that i'm not the person for this horse at this yep. moment and and to step back and, and get away and again being creative and and br- sure. this kind of brings all these points together about how, how this is a good one to kind of wrap it up and and how to get the job done how to do you know how to do the sport but be fair to the horse and and be fair to yourself yep. so I think exactly. this is a really good good ten points. You know, we gotta think. Yep. You know, whoever came up with it was a nice thing to come across and a nice thing to talk about. And uh, and uh, you know, we always love content for the show, right, Reese? Some, yep, some exactly. We love it. We love <laughs> it. <laughs> well, that that was really great. And and you can find it online. This list is online, so feel free to take a look at it um, and post it in your barn for sure. It went all over Facebook, so that's where we picked it up. So. Um, we are now we have a special treat to hear from Linda Pirelli about the dressage summit that happened in Wellington last week. Reese is joined in this interview by Coach Jennifer, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show here on the Horse Radio Network. Well, I am very happy to have Linda Pirelli here on the Dressage Radio um, Show. And Linda, we want to hear how you got started in dressage. It's a little bit of a sad story, actually, because I was living in Sydney, Australia. And um, I was finally in a place where I could live my dream, and I, I bought a horse with a lovely thoroughbred, and uh, I wanted to event. And he turned out to be quite the maniac and run away, and so my instructor said, you know, there's no way you're going to get around the jump course, let alone the cross-country course, without, you know, your arms being stretched about five feet. And uh, maybe you should concentrate on dressage because he needs a little bit more education. 
So that was like a nightmare to me because I was one of those riders that really wanted to go fast and jump everything in sight. And I thought the dressage arena was really boring and that only people who were afraid rode in the dressage arena. But finally, I had to admit that um, I was afraid enough to to focus on dressage because my horse was pretty serious. And um, I started to like it. I realized it was not as easy as it looks from the outside and not as dull as I thought it was. It was actually quite the mental game. And um, so that's how I started. Great. And so tell us a little bit about how you met Pat and how you kind of got started with your whole life together. Well, same horse. Um, because I started doing dressage, but two years later, he was no better. He was, you know, I was still having a lot of problems with him. And uh, I bought another horse in the meantime, and within six months, I was out competing and doing quite well. So I, I basically got the message that, you know, you're, you're okay, but the horse is a problem. And I refused to give up on the horse. People told me, put a bullet in its head and um, get rid of it, sell it to a man. This is not a lady's horse. He's crazy. And I just you know, how girls are, you love your horse and you don't want to give up. And luckily I didn't give up. And I walked into my local tax store um, and saw a video of a cowboy riding around the horse. And I thought, well, that's got nothing to do with me. I do dressage and uh, he's a Western rider and all these cowboys, you know, throw their arms in the air and flap their elbows and ride with big spurs and shank bits and and, I, and as I watched, I was quite impressed with how harmonious it was. And then all of a sudden, I realized he was doing everything without a bridle. And I was shocked. And I thought, how can anybody do that stuff without a bridle? I rode with no bridle when I was a kid, but I had no control. <laughs> it was just kind of a joy ride. There's riding without a bridle, and then there's riding without a bridle. <laughs> there you go. Well, I was riding without a bridle. <laughs> and he, was, he had complete control of this horse, and he was doing and flying changes, and then he did a slide stop, and I could not believe my eyes. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this guy has got something to teach me because if he can stop his horse with no bridle from a flat-out gallop, then maybe he'll help me stop my horse at X from a trot with a bridle. Mm. And uh, I went to his seminar and very quickly found out that I didn't know the first thing about horses. Even though I'd been riding horses for um, 20 years at that time, and competing and being successful, except for this particular horse, um, I, it was like a, a huge awakening for me because he started talking about the horse's mind and how they think and how they experience things and um, to look at things from the horse's point of view. And I was just absolutely shocked. I never imagined that my life could change that dramatically in one session with somebody I thought was a cowboy. And, it, of course, it turned out he was not a cowboy. He was a horseman, and he's like half horse, half human. And that changed my life, and in more ways than one, as you can now see, because um, at first I went just to solve horse problems, but then I, I began to promote him in Australia, um, and I brought him out a couple of times a year, and then finally we decided we couldn't live without each other, and here I am. That was in <laughs> 1993 that I came over here, and I met him in '89. So she married a horse guy. She married a horse guy. <laughs> That's one of the continuing arguments. Do you do you marry a horse guy or not? But you did, and obviously <laughs> successful. How lucky so, is that? <laughs> yeah, lucky is that. Yeah, um, who looks good in a cowboy hat to boot? <laughs> so you you became a very successful trainer in your own right. Fast forward many years to today, and we have a dressage symposium from 
Linda Pirelli, and for many of us, especially here in America, Linda Pirelli is the second half of the Pirelli team, which one does not generally associate with dressage. Why the dressage symposium and why now? Well, dressage was my, my love. That was my passion when I met Pat. And he basically said to me, um, he pulled punches. He said to me, I know that you're serious and passionate about dressage, but I want you to think about this. Dressage is a very sophisticated language. It's a, it's a high degree of refinement with a horse. And he said, you have nothing to refine. <laughs> hey, like, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, <laughs> got that. And he was right because, I mean, I had control issues. I had relationship issues with my horse. That was another thing. You know, he said, all your problems. He said, you don't have all these problems of bolting and, and uh, rearing and being out of control. He said, you have a relationship problem with your horse. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, he doesn't trust you. He doesn't understand you. It's like, oh, my God, I never expected that to come out of a six-foot-one cowboy's mouth. You have a relationship problem, ma'am, you know. <laughs> so, um, he's, you know, basically then I, I said, well, okay, well, then I have to learn about horses. I need to know how they think, how they feel, how they act, how they play, what's important to them, how they learn. Um, and I got very involved in, in Pat's method, of course. And then I became one of his instructors, and then I started teaching other people. And it was all this foundation about how how to be with horses in a way that we aren't normally taught. And uh, together, of course, we popularized natural horsemanship around the world. And I I pretty much got a reputation for criticizing dressage. But I wasn't criticizing dressage. I was just, here's the road we go down when we don't really have the foundation on which to build. And I was telling my own story about all the failures and things like that. No matter how passionate your teacher is and how good they are, if you're not ready for this, it's a very frustrating thing for both horse and rider. So, um, of course, lots of people come to us from all kinds of disciplines and mainly because they have problem horses. But what we really would like to get across is that, you know, don't come because you've got a problem horse. Come because you want to learn about the horsemanship and things and how you can take that on and beyond dressage. So after about um, 15 years of teaching around the world with Pat, um, I finally had a little bit of time where I could start riding my own horses again more regularly. And I decided I wanted to get back and study dressage. And I said to Pat, so will you coach me? And he said, no. He said, I'm not a dressage instructor. He said, you need somebody now who's a master in that, who understands the sport and who shares the same principles of putting the horse first. And, you know, we'll find that person. And so it took, I guess, about eight or nine months. And finally, we went and saw Walter Zettel at a, um, uh, a clinic, a USDF clinic that he was doing not far from us here in Ocala. And we went along, and we weren't in the stands for two minutes, and Pat hit me with his elbow, and he said, that's the guy. And so we went and talked to Walter after that, and, and Pat said, will you come and teach Linda? And, and also me, Pat had a lot of lessons with him in the beginning as well. Um, and he came every two months for five days with us. And, and, and I was so blessed to be coached by Walter. And he shared exactly the same principles that we do. We go about things a little bit differently in some ways, but everything just dovetailed so beautifully. And then Walter got so interested in what we were doing. He said, I've never seen such happy horses and such unfrustrated people. And what are you doing? And so the more we got to know each other and, 
and worked together, became each other's greatest fans. So Walter was a big part of this, the dressage summit in the end because he wanted us to meet Christoph Hess and he told Christoph about us. And we finally did that a year ago at the trainers um, conference or symposium in, in Wellington. And we met with Christoph and he was blown away by what he saw Pat doing and saw my young horse and said, you know, he's really correct in all the basics. And then we, it just grew from there. And we decided we, you know, we're all on the same mission here. We want dressage to be the beautiful thing it really is. We want the principles of the olden days to be brought forward and maintained um, more widespread than they are now. Of course, there are people that are doing it, but we want to make it more mainstream. And that's one of Christoph's big passions too, is to go, hey, this is not roll curve, hyperflexion and seesawing them out, you know, and stressed horses and force. He says, that's not how it should be. So anyway, that's how it all came together. And I, I don't know how we actually dreamed up the summit, but all of a sudden there it was. Wow. And, and how many attendants did you have here in Wellington? Um, I think we had about 300 people. Wow. Yeah, I heard, I heard, pretty, yeah, I heard it was a great turnout and, and it was really successful. Um, yeah, and I, I think it went really well. You know, um, I need to see the video because I think I was unconscious for most of it. I was so excited <laughs> being amongst it all. And, you know, for me, I don't, I don't pretend that I'm a dressage rider. I'm learning dressage. I'm learning all those bits and pieces and, and figuring out how to work the psychology through it because we train through behavioral psychology with horses. And so um, one of my videos that I launched that was the first foray into the dressage arena was about contact and how to understand contact from the horse's point of view. How can you get the horse to want to take the contact instead of pushing him into it? Um, and so that, that really is what started to put things on the map. And Walter started recommending it to all his students and sending it to all his you know, friends and publishers around the world. And so then, unwittingly, in a way, I was thrust into that into that world. Um, but I see myself more as a student there and, and helping to break things down and simplify them because that's the role I also played um, with Pat all of, over all these years. It's like, how can I make his message more understandable? I often joke, it's like, lucky I'm blonde because I have to really simplify things. <laughs> No, I think that's very helpful for for all, and I think contact for all dressage riders is is a tough thing. It's it's yeah. it's always it's hard to describe it. It's hard until you feel it and understand it with your particular yep. horse. So um, I think that's that's wonderful. Exactly, um, and and of course, you know, when I started riding with Walter, I didn't have contact, and I was all proud that my horse was so light and I could do flying changes and passage. You know, put little inverted commas around it. I could do all that before Walter came on the scene, but then he kept at me with all the basics and you don't have contact. I'm like, I don't get it though. I don't really understand. And he so basically it's... rode my horse through me and it took basically three years until one day I felt it and I thought it was wrong. And I remember <laughs> watching the, the video with Walter because I was all kind of, at that point I was frustrated because I'm thinking, why is he not correcting me? This feels really wrong and all of a sudden, he was just going, yeah, good. And I get, this can't be good. And we watched the video, and for the first time, I saw my horse in a frame and moving through his body like he'd never done before. And I went, okay, I have no idea what contact's supposed to feel like. I just felt it. Now, how can I do this on purpose 
And then as soon as I tried to do it on purpose, my horse hated it. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, I haven't got the master riding my horse through me. How can I make this a game? So my horse goes, oh, I know the outcome. I know the goal. Let me hold your hand. Let me, you know, drive with my hind leg into, into your hand. And, and, you know, that's why I, I worked out the game of contact. And that's why I call it the game. Everything we try to do in, in our system is make it a game. So the horse can get mentally involved in the outcome instead of just being our puppet. Well, first of all, Linda, you're not a you're not a blonde. You're a right brain introvert, and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I must be channeling right brain introvert because I'm a right brain extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've gotten the 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 uh, the light bulb moment. So. Yeah. Are we going to be seeing Linda Pirelli on the uh, entries list on some shows coming up here? Are you going to get out there in the world and start competing again? I don't know. I, I competed a lot before I met Pat. I was a very competitive person. And then when I got involved in Pat's program, I got um, more – it was more about how how good can I get with horses. It didn't matter about the discipline. It's like – how how good could I get in the psychology of training where horses want to perform for me and I can do things everybody with no bridle or with a bridle or, you know? Um, so I really lost my interest in competition and got very involved in learning how to train and how to teach. And so now as I'm, as I'm studying in dressage, I'm still, I'm, I haven't hit that spot where I want to compete. I want to teach and I want to demystify um, and I want to bring the behavioral approach to training horses. Um, you know, I've worked with uh, horses all around the world and in some pretty high-level stables like Klaus Balkenholz and Louis Lucio and um, Luca Manetta, who's in Grand Prix jumping. And I help them all, not with the discipline, but I help them with the psychological approach with their horses or the behavioral approach. So I don't see myself as a dressage expert. I'm not even trying to be a dressage expert. But I want to ride really well, and I want to ride Grand Prix. And I, I want people to go, oh, I'm glad she doesn't compete. Like, that's my goal. <laughs> so for me, competition's not it. Um, it's more about personal development, but that whole um, backside of it that we bring into the picture, which is the behavioral psychology. Well, wonderful. Linda, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening. <laughs> people would like to find some more information about uh, your methods and the Pirelli methods and also about the Dressage Summit, where can they find you online? Uh, Pirelli.com. Very easy. And uh, if they're interested in our, you know, how to learn more about horses and the inside of horses, then we have a levels program for that. But otherwise, there's the Game of Contact DVDs and then the series that I just made with Christoph Hess called The Scale of Training. Wonderful. Well, thanks yeah. so much. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, we are very happy to have a friend of ours, Kelly McGinn, on the radio show this evening. Kelly, you are our trainer tip of the week. Can you get started on the tip you're giving all of us? Sure. Um, I've come up with a 
kind of a, an easy way to explain and to to help the rider kind of break down the the trot a little bit. Um, and I think sometimes it's it can be daunting when a rider thinks of I need to collect the horse or I need to engage the horse. So I've come up with an easy way to describe it to my students that really makes it very simple. Um, and I I call it gear work, and this is not really. Um, you know, kind of a, a new thing in dressage, but um, I've made it really simple. Um, what I try to think about is like third gear is like your basic working trot. You know, you're forward, you know, you feel like your horse is, you know, even in both reins and, you know, this is just your, your working trot. Um, and then we have the lower gears that are basically like first and second gear. Um, and we our gear kind of being that trot that you would have right before you walked. Um, and then second gear is that trot that's maybe a little bit in between first and third gear. Um, and then we have fourth and fifth gear, which is fourth gear is more sort of going towards your medium trot. Fifth gear is towards extended trot. So for me, this is a really easy way in, in a lesson to kind of teach the rider and to show the rider, okay, I want you to do this movement in fourth gear, or I want you to do this movement in, you know, second gear. Um, and one of the most important things um, when the rider is doing the lower gears is to make sure that they have a couple of things um, going on as they do this. Um, for example, if the, if the rider is going to put the horse into first gear, um, what this does is this allows the rider to feel that they are riding and controlling the steps of the hind legs. Um, and this is, you know, kind of an important step for the rider to make sure that they, they feel the steps of the hind legs and that they can make sure that the energy belongs to them. You know, in other words, that the horse just doesn't stop when they feel the rider start to ride a transition. Um, this also is a great exercise to get the horse to relax and swing in the back a little bit. Um, but when the rider is doing these lower gears, it's important that they um, keep the horse straight underneath them and not let the horse, you know, kind of step left or right. Um, and it's also important that the rider makes sure that the horse is soft in the hand. Um, you know, we want to make sure that, that the, the horse is on the seat and that the rider is not holding the horse into the lower gear. Um, you know, all of these things combined really make sure that the horse, you know, gets relaxed and, and uses the rhythm. You really want to use the rhythm to make sure that the horse, you know, swings a little bit. Um, and and I want to be clear and make sure that this is not, you know, an engaging exercise. exercise. This is not collecting the horse. And this makes it really easy for the rider, you know, not thinking like, oh, my gosh, I've got to, you know, make these hind legs quicker. I've got to make the horse you know, more active and engaged. I mean, really, if you break it down and just say, I'm just working on relaxation here and making sure that the horse is soft in my hand. Um, and then the next piece of this is, you know, once once the horse relaxes and the rider feels that the, the rhythm is there, then the rider can leave that gear and then maybe go to the higher gear. You know, you might leave first gear and then go to third gear and then maybe come back to second gear. You know, and, and when you are going in and out of these gears, you know, you're making sure that the relaxation and the softness that you achieved in that gear is still there. Um, and this makes it just really, really easy. And, you know, for for example, if you have a horse that, that wants to kind of suck back and be a little bit lazy all the time, you know, the, the, the common thought is, okay, I'm just going to, you know, give a kick and put my leg on and drive the horse forward. You know, and sometimes this is not the best way. It makes the horse then more tight in the back. So, you know, it's a it's a really 
great exercise then if we have, you know, a lazy horse. We go to the lower gear, you know, and make sure that the horse does not stop. You know, the rider is in control of the steps of the hind legs and in control of the energy. And then you, you know, you might leave that lower gear, you know, and kind of leave it with purpose and, and then push the horse then up to fourth gear um, and, and then come back to third gear and then go back to fourth gear. You know, so this is a really simple, easy way for the rider just to think about it and say, I don't have to engage my horse. It's not that. It's, it's I'm just going from one gear to the next. But I'm also making sure that while I do this, I maintain relaxation. I maintain swing in the back, and and this makes it really, really nice and easy for the rider. It doesn't it doesn't become a daunting task to think I have to you know engage the horse. Um, this also is a really great aid to to teach the rider to ride the the hind legs to keep keep the rhythm of the hind legs. You know the the rider needs to understand that they always are in control of where the hind legs are and to make hind legs step and make the hind legs you know, work for us, basically. Um, it's also a, a wonderful way for the rider to control energy um, and making sure that the that the horse is on the seat and not on the hand. Um, it, it just makes everything a little bit more simple, and it also helps the horse to be more adjustable. No, I think that's a great, I think that's a great way to think about, um, you know, riding a horse in the trot. I think we all as riders, you know, we think we need to be able to extend, we need to be able to come back, but we don't ever think about that. There's a a huge adjustability in our range of trot or should be. And if Mm -hmm. there's not a huge range in our trot, that's something that we need to work on getting. And that's, that's what this exercise does. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a brilliant exercise and a great way to visualize that there are gears and that there are, you should be able to step it up and you should be able to shift down and you maybe need to shift to third gear from first gear. Um, So I think that's a brilliant way to explain it. So Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening. Uh, How can we find you on the internet? Um, well, I have a Facebook page for my business, and it's Kelly McGinn Dressage, and you can go on there and like it. And um, I try to update it as much as I can, and I put pictures and, and that sort of thing. And you can contact me through that. Um, and then I also have, you know, just a Facebook page for myself. Um, and I would love to hear from people. And if anybody ever has any comments or questions, I, you know, absolutely love what I do, and I enjoy talking to people and meeting new people. So please contact me. I would love to talk to you. This tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available.
at totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. Don't be afraid to send us stuff, questions, training problems. We, we love, you know, kind of listener content on the show. And we do. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you next week. 